Validation is a key way to communicate to your spouse and provide support in ways that are invaluable. Today, join us as we interview Wesley Morgan, a therapist, family man, and proud graduate of Grand Rapids Theological Seminary on Together. This is Together, an Ada Bible Church podcast about the world of marriage, where we attempt to invite you to explore the ways that marriage works and doesn't work. From practical ways of learning to biblical inspiration, we invite you to listen to other professionals and couples to help enrich your marriage. Here are your hosts, Samuel Jones and Dr. Kelly Bonniewell. All right. Welcome back to Together, everybody. Uh, this is again Samuel and Dr. Kelly Bonnewell. We are excited for another uh, great season. Finally, we are in May, and this is just exciting to um, see the weather and people out and about doing their thing and enjoying life. And And Kelly, like, how are you feeling this, this, this day? I'm feeling great. I totally agree with you, Samuel. Uh, so excited for spring. And hopefully, you know, the weather breaks and is consistently over, you know, 70. And, and I will be very, very happy. <laughs> exactly. You know, and, and even with that, you know, as spring is breaking forth and summer is quickly approaching, uh, it's it's kind of exciting because, uh, you know, also we're seeing our viewership uh, with pot, with the podcast growing as well. I, I know when we started, you know, way back in 2020, uh, you know, we had this dream and vision to really empower couples and marriages and individuals seeking to get married and, uh, you know, at Ada Bible Church. And, and, and with that, what I found is that, you know, more and more people are trying to, to attempt to find us and some of them have not. And so, Part of part of the job, I would say, of our listeners is this. Hey, if you're if this is not your first time listening to Together, my encouragement is to number one, we want you to rate our podcast. Right? Rate our podcast. There's a little star rating that's right by um, our podcast, and you can rate it as five stars. Nothing below, right, Kelly? Nothing below five stars, right? Yeah, nothing below five stars. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and below, and obviously from there, not only can you rate us, but you can also review us. And you can review us by going right to um, the uh, aspect that says, please leave a review. And when you do that, you know, give us some kind words, share some information, share what you've learned, uh, what things that you're doing. And by doing that, you know, you're being able to not only give us uh things that we can talk about on our podcast, but also be able to share those things to other people who may just by chance be looking for uh, more information about marriage. And then lastly, um, not only can you do this, but you can share it on social media. Like a huge part of social media is being able to give this information and share this information to other people who may want to know more about marriage. And when you do that, that just allows also our listenership to go up. And that's pretty exciting, Kelly, because we're almost at a thousand downloads. We're going to have to have like a thousand download party. Wow. That's really awesome. That would I didn't be know that. I didn't know we were close to a thousand. Yes, we're at a thousand. So exciting. So that's, awesome. that's going to be pretty great to do that. Pretty great to do that. So with that being said, uh, you know, Kelly, we've got a we've got a guest with us today. So excited to talk to Wesley. Yes, me too. I am so excited. So let's see here. Kelly, Wesley Morgan. Um, 
I met Wesley back when I was at another church called Grace for the Nations. And, you know, I was in college at that time, football playing, all the fun things. And literally with Wesley, <laughs> um, I was going to a church. You know, he knows my entire dating history. How about that? Oh, that's not good. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't imagine when you have... Uh, you know, it, uh, you're, you're, you're dating different people. You're bringing them to church. I remember this one time, you know, I was dating a particular person. I brought her to church. Church was very moving. The pastor preached. Me and her were crying. And oh, I, just, I just remember, Kelly, walking outside of, of, the, of, the, um, of church and him and his wife looked at me. I looked at them. And it's almost as if they knew that I was up to no good. and from that moment i think uh that was the end of of my dating experience with that particular person because i I needed some help i needed some accountability and let's just say eventually thank god i got married to the woman that i'm married to right now and so you know that's a great story (laughs) great people like him but uh without further ado uh i want to introduce our listeners to wesley morgan hey wesley how you doing sir uh, Mr. Sam, um, Dr. Kelly, how are you all this morning? Doing really wonderful, Wesley. Really looking forward to this interview with you. Well, I'm, I'm happy to be here and to answer your question, uh, Sam. I am doing wonderful. Um, it's a beautiful, beautiful day, uh, the month of May. So I'm glad to be alive and in the land of the living, as they say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, Kelly, if you, uh, excuse Kelly, <laughs> Wesley, if you could. Uh, could you just tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and, and you know, your family and some of your interests uh, for their listeners? Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, this is always the, the, the most difficult question for anybody to answer because nobody like really talking about themselves. So um, who, who am I? Uh, so, of course, you know, my name is Wes Ben. Uh, living in West Michigan since I graduated from uh, college. I've been married for uh, 15 years this year. Uh, in August, it will be 15 years to my beautiful wife, Artina. Uh, yes. And we have three beautiful kids, uh, twins, a uh, boy and a girl twin, Leilani um, and Brayden Morgan. Or should I say Brayden and Leilani since Brayden is the oldest by two minutes. Uh, so <laughs> I have I have to put that, um, make that correction. And then I have my youngest, which is Austin Morgan. So. Um, met my wife at Grand Valley State um, University, and we decided to give West Michigan a try. Uh, we both are from the east side of the state, so it's definitely a culture shock to us <laughs> being in West Michigan. Um, but this is where uh, we're doing life. And um, needless to say, we've been things. God has been good to us and our family. And yeah, I, that's pretty much I have my own practice. Um, private practice called Renewed Counseling Service. Um, and I've been in the counseling field. Man, I used to I used to keep track of that stuff, but I stopped doing it. But I want to say at least 10 years. So That's awesome. Wesley, question for you. So we, you and I are going to be doing uh, with Samuel a golf outing in June. So golf on some level, <laughs> it seems like all of our <laughs> listeners like golf, but um, Golf must be an interest of yours. What else do you do? You guys like to do as a family, and and what are your interests? Just to to have fun. Oh yeah, golf. Um, funny story about golf. I was talking trash to my brothers 
last year in the middle of a pandemic uh, in July. And uh, two of my brothers are um, golfers and they golf all the time. And that's how I got sucked into the game of golf. I went out there the first time and uh, haven't looked back since. Now, I'm no, I'm not good, but I do like playing. It's very uh, relaxing. Uh, but as a family, my family. Wait, 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 stop. You just said golf is relaxing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Relaxing and frustrating. You know, <laughs> you are the very first person on planet Earth who has ever used the word golf is relaxing. It's relaxing for me because I like the scenery. Um, I like being out there. But again, the frustrating part will come when, you know, why my ball continue to go in the woods or just flying into water versus staying on the green. So that's a whole nother conversation. So I, I'm, I was trying to stay positive. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but um, yeah, my, me and my family, we love traveling. That's something that we like to do. Um, we, I want to say, what was that in 2019, the end of 2019, we um, did a little family tour at the end of the year and visited different states and things of that nature. So traveling means a lot to us. We love uh, family and just going to visit family in different states and just being together. Uh, all of us serve in ministry in some type of way. Um, so we're very active in our church and we, we, we're just trying to impact the world with what God has given us. So, um, yeah, we come from a gigantic family, especially my side. So family means a lot to us. So we try our best to spend a lot of time with family and just hanging around each other and sporting events and all of that good stuff. So, Okay. Now you mentioned sporting events. So what, what are some of your favorite teams? Well, if you know Jesus, you will be a Spartan fan. Um, <laughs> that, that, you know, but if, if you do not know him, you might be part of that other team. Oh, um, wow. but, but honestly, I, I actually don't. Uh, I, I grew up a Michigan fan. I and I do. I actually like Michigan too. I'm one of those individuals who I can go both sides, but I side with my Spartans first. Uh, became a Spartan fan because my cousin played. Uh, basketball um, all four years at Michigan State, and then he's now coaching there and been coaching there for a long time. Wow, so, that's awesome. Who's your cousin? Dwayne Stevens. Dwayne Stevens. Oh, that's a very coach. cool, very cool. So, yeah, I, I've been I've been down with the Spartans ever since, since what, maybe like sixth grade, but, you know, I grew up watching Charles Woodson playing football every Saturday nice. and all that stuff. So, nice. I honestly don't dislike Michigan like a lot of people do, but, you know, um, so I like my Spartans, um, and I really, I, I, unfortunately, my daddy, um, my dad drug me as a child, and so I am, unfortunately, a Lions fan. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why, because they just cause a lot of stress. Um, I always say that the Detroit Lions should be paying for health care for the state of Michigan um, <laughs> because of everything they put us through every year. We get our hopes up high for no reason at all. But um, but, yeah, I, I love I love the Lions and I yell at the TV every Sunday and then just put my head down in disappointment. But um, and I watch the NBA. I don't too much. I don't too much care for the NBA as much. Um, I I prefer college basketball. They play with more heart, more gut for me. So, uh, but other than that, I watch it if every once in a blue moon. So yeah, yeah, me too. I, I love college basketball. So, and I'm an Illini fan, Wesley. So, uh, on no, that note, I'm sorry. <laughs> 
On that note, uh, Wesley, I'd like to learn more about your uh, journey to be a counselor because I've heard a little bit of it and it sounds really interesting. Can you just walk our listeners through how how did Wesley become a counselor? Man, um, I know this is always the safe answer and we always say, well, God had a calling on my life, but really that that is really how it started. Um, so I'll, I'll actually start from present and work my way backwards. Um, I, in college, um, my junior year at Grand Valley State University, um, I gave my life over to Christ. And um, once that happened, it seemed like everything started to make sense for me. I was in a Rome major. Uh, I was actually a elementary education major. Um, and I was trying to go be a gym teacher because I had a guy in high school named Bob Francis, who's the man. Um, and he really stood out to me. We were very close. And I used to see, uh, Mr. Francis literally transform lives of people. They, they used to come into his office crying within three to five minutes. They come out laughing. I'm like, what is he doing in there? Mm. And really just talking to students and being a listening ear. So I told myself I wanted to be like Mr. Francis and that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to go to school, um, be a gym teacher and help people and help the students out. And so when I gave my life over to Christ, um, I, I, I said a prayer with one of my boys. We were praying one night and we asked for God to show us our purpose in life. And um, to be honest, I was godly jealous of him because it seemed like God answered his prayer in 24 hours um, mm-hmm. and mine took at least another six to nine months. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but at, during that journey, it came to my attention that I was in the wrong major, but I was too far uh, ahead and I was very close to graduating. So I knew I had to go back to school, which uh, landed me at uh, GRTS um, because I wanted um I wanted a master's degree in counseling. I also wanted um, some Bible uh, knowledge as well. So GRTS was the perfect place for that because I was in ministry and I know a lot of people go to seminary for uh, divinity, but that was not my calling. Like I am in ministry and all of that good stuff, but uh, my calling is more so the counseling field. So that's, that's what landed me at GRTS. Um, I had, And the crazy part about that, um, I was being very uh, disobedient. You know, there was always a a nudge, uh, something saying, hey, you need to go to GRTS. Now is the time. Now is the time. Well, I I ignored the voice of God several times and to to the point where God spoke to me um, in a dream. Um, Actually, Mm -hmm. I had three dreams. Um, The first dream was like, hey, you know, now is the time. And the second dream, kind of the same thing, but this time more so with a very storm warning. You would think that would do it. The third dream was just like, okay, yeah, you're, <laughs> if you don't move, you, you about to have some consequences. And so that day I woke up so afraid. I literally, I called into work. I told them that I was going to be super late and I went to GRTS. And of course, when I went, that was the last day they were accepting applications last oh day for uh, financial aid and everything. So I literally gave myself a migraine and that was my fault because I was stressing out. I had to call everybody. I needed letters. And, and so I got it all done in one day, believe it or not. Wow. Um, and I, that's what got me into GRTS. And, mm. um, thankfully I was able to, um, go there, but 
Now, I say I was going to work myself uh, from present backwards. And the last part of counseling really was back when I was a child. Um, I remember like it was yesterday. I graduated uh, from elementary school, right? Sixth grade for us. It was K through six. Um, and I remember we were scheduled to go to Disney World that summer again. And my parents told me that um, I'm going to have to stay back. And I was like, for what? And I thought I did something wrong. They was like, no, the principal um, from the elementary school wants you to go through this summer long program. And it was to be a junior counselor. Um, mm -hmm. and, and it was an entire it was an entire summer where they teach you how to counsel your peers. So um, to make this story short, because uh, it's a lot of things in, in the middle of that story, but. I stayed back for the summer and went through this program. And so the following two years, my my entire uh, junior high, um, seventh and eighth grade years, when my peers were to get in trouble, they were fighting or something of that nature or death will take place. I would get caught out of class and I would sit with um, the school counselors and really just take the lead and start wow. talking to talking to my peers with the assistance of um, the school counselor and helping them. And so you will think that would have stuck with me because that created uh, me going into high school to where I was part of our uh, student government. But you had to be um, almost like promoted, for lack of better words, mm -hmm. um, you had to have it was like a graduation. But this counseling program opened up the doors for student government. You could not just join in. And so I had other different programs that I was a part of in high school as a result of that. So, again, you would have thought going into college, I would have majored in psychology. But, you know, my focus was on the ladies and, you know, I'm about to have a great time. I'm away from home and it's party time. And so um, and really, here's a nugget. When you out the will of God, you waste a lot of money. You yeah. waste a lot of time yeah. um, and resources. So, and I'm a living witness to that. Yeah, and so, absolutely. Um, absolutely. so yeah, that's really my journey of counseling. That's really cool, Wesley. And and especially on, on a certain level, that was sixth grade for you when you did that uh, program? Yes, yeah, sixth grade. Yeah. Wow. It, it was sixth grade. And wow. then, you know, just trying to make everything happen very quickly because even when I um, graduated with my master's, I quit my job immediately because I, I did not like working for the state of Michigan. I think they were so unrealistic. It caused so many, so many problems. And, you know, without seeking, um, seeking mentorship and things like that, I kind of just jumped out there and landed right on my face. Uh, and I jumped too fast because, mm. you know, I thought I would be able to bill insurance and all of that stuff. So, I ended up taking several steps back, even though I had my limited license. Um, but, you know, took the time and thankfully I, I'm at where I'm at right now and where God wants me to be. So. So now. Uh, so essentially, God called you to be a counselor when you're in sixth grade. That's that's cool. What was uh, so you make this commitment to GRTS mm -hmm. and. Uh, what was uh, what was. What was some like maybe two important moments for you while you were in seminary to where you were? That was God's kind of confirmation that, hey, Wesley, you're on the right path here. Oh, my first counseling class, um, I was in heaven. Like I it, to be honest, I believe I, I even became emotional sitting in class. I sat um, in the second to the last row in counseling class and I was listening to Dr. Lehman just speak. 
and it was just like ministering to me and I knew I was in the right place. Um, so just my first time being in the class, I was like, yes, this this is exactly where I, I supposed to be. Um, and then I would say the second thing was sitting in class um, and allowing God to speak to me even about the future. So my first year in school, um, I was sitting here listening in class and I had I had my notepad and God spoke to me, renewed counseling services. And I'm like, wow. And that's the name of my practice right now. Mm. And so even before I even know, I didn't even know anything, to be honest with you, anything about private practice. Um, <laughs> I didn't even know that would be my journey, but that's what God spoke to me. And um, I wrote it down and I was like, renewed counseling services. And it's really based off uh, Romans 12, one and two. And so for us to have a renewed mind. So um, those, those I will say will be the two quick stories about like GRTS. And then of course, being around um, developing some friends and some people that are like-minded that are trying to help uh, share the gospel uh, from, from the aspect of counseling. And that, that, that's amazing. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's really good, Wes. And, and I know just, just kind of one other question, thought process for you. I know that, like, you know, there are some individuals, you know, whether you went to GRTS, whether you are attempting to go into counseling, you, you get your degree, you know, you, you, you finish graduating. And then all of a sudden, for those who need licensure, they have to go take tests and so on and so forth. And, and, and not everyone that takes a test, you know, passes it every first time. Like, I guess just like, you know, me knowing your story, you know, and mine. You know, can you just speak into just like encouraging people once they get their licensure and degree, the process and, and being able to persist past difficulties? Yeah, uh, I, I will say I will say, to be honest, like we ask people um, and especially people who are on this journey um, in regards to being licensed and trying to be a therapist. You have to love fall in love with the uh, process of that. And what I mean by that is that oftentimes we look at other people and that's what I was doing. Dr. Lehman, Dr. Uh, Dr. Bell, everyone was talking about the success rate at GRTS and how everybody take the test and they passed the first time and GRTS got like a 90 percent um, percentage in regards to uh, passing the test the first time around. Well, I was the silly one that went ahead and did the complete opposite of what they were recommending. I graduated and I was so proud of myself that I I missed a few steps. Like I should have took the test right after I graduated, but I was so caught into myself and so happy about my achievement and that I had my limited license that, you know, I was like, oh man, I, I got to take my state license test. And that was not my story. Like, and I failed the first time and it was horrible. And then I failed again. And the shame and the embarrassment because people knew I was taking it. I had people praying for me. And the, the most frustrating part is that I knew all of the information. And that's what Dr. Bell was like. I don't understand how you are not passing this test when you can teach. I have literally have you teaching this information. How are you not passing it? Um, it might be some test anxiety. I don't know. I, I never was uh, strong in like standardized testing. I I've straight bombed the ACT, but carried a 3.7, 3.8 in school and stuff like that. So standardized testing has never went well for me, but I, I failed so many times and it was, you have to, 
I guess, are you strong enough and is your faith strong enough to go through the process of getting to where God has for you? I know this was my this was my um, my purpose in life. This test was a hurdle that I had to jump over in order to get my full license. Um, And thankfully, I did. I was able to pass the test. But sometimes we lose hope and we lose focus. Um, But my purpose was calling me. And I think that's that's the thing we have to remember, like, even though I want to say after the third time I failed it, I went the next day. I was right back in the um, library studying. I didn't even get like the first two times I took, you know, it was like a year gap in between. I was all into my feelings and my emotions and I was so disappointed and all of that stuff. And I was embarrassed. But God really showed me that I needed to fall in love with failure. Mm. Wesley, I love that story that you just shared Uh, for our listeners. uh, So once you get a master's in counseling, you get what's called an LLPC, a limited licensed professional counselor license through the state of Michigan. And to get the full LPC, uh, you have to have 3,000 client hours. You have to have 100 hours under supervision of an LPC. And then you have to pass this exam that Wesley's talking about. And Wesley, as an encouragement to you, um, I'm not a test taker either. I, I've never been good at standardized tests. Um, I did pass it on the first time, but to me, it was a miracle because I'll never forget that day. Um, it is it is by far the most difficult test I've ever taken. Mm. And, uh, and even they prepare you. They're kind of like, there's going to be a lot of questions on the test that you're not going to have any idea what the answers are. And that was my experience. When I left uh, after taking the test, I thought for sure I didn't pass it because question after question, I'm like, I have no idea what that answer is. And so um, I love your story of perseverance. Yeah. yeah. And, and even through that, I was able to, um, you know, I thankfully I have a very strong wife um, and strong supportive uh, church family, you know, my pastors and friends and uh, accountability is huge. Sam talked about accountability earlier and I had, I had close boys of mine who they refused to allow me to pout. Like mm-hmm. it was sort of like, yeah, dude, shut up. We we <laughs> could care less about you failing. Like when is the next time? Um, you know, sometimes I play video games. Right. And so they were like, well, when is the next time you can take the test? Great. Good. Well, we're not playing you in the video game <laughs> until you pass the test. Right. And I'm like, come on, dude. Everybody need a break. We don't care. You know, so they were very hard on me. Uh, which is what I needed because it helped me to stay focused on, no, you, you have to pass this test. Um, and so I was able to reopen my practice because once I launched my practice, when I quit the state of Michigan, once I had my limited license, oh, I was so excited, ready to transform the world and literally just fell on my face and my practice was open for like six months. So I just put it on hold. And, um, and thankfully after I passed the test, I was able to reopen my practice and this time it will not be closing. So yeah, yeah that is, that is awesome. And, 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 and Wesley, before we kind of pivot, I just want to say thank you for taking that opportunity to, you know, go through difficulty for being persistent, for being resilient, because we know we need more individuals like you in the field and, you know, are willing to work past all those things. I know, um, you know, here's a, Here's a tidbit, you know, Wesley and myself are both African-American males and, mm-hmm. you know, in, in, in our country, you know, third, we, 
we literally make up African Americans make up 13.3% of the US population, you know. But in that, you know, of that percentage, a lot of African American individuals uh, amongst, you know, their counterparts, general population often aren't going, you know, to counseling um, most of the time because they don't see people like themselves in the field. And then also don't necessarily know that this is a route that they can take in terms of their education and in terms of their desire to grow. And I think that it's so important that, you know, beyond the stigma that's related with mental illness and, you know, distrusting the healthcare system or, you know, the lack of feeling like there's representation or, you know, lack of insurance, all those things that kind of face, you know, us as individuals, you know, that you desire to make a change um, with those statistics, with those stigmas, be someone in the field that can represent not only race, but also represent competency, competency of being a mental health clinician to support people who need help who need the support. And so I just want to say thank you for just, you know, going through that and working through that, that long year struggle yeah. <laughs> of, of doing yeah. that, Wesley. That's much needed, man. I yeah, appreciate it, brother. Appreciate it. Yeah. Kelly, uh, obviously this is together and obviously this is about couples counseling and, and you listeners, you got a chance to hear a little bit more about Wesley, but as we kind of pivot, um, we want to talk a little bit about, you know, um, uh, just your counseling interests and 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 uh, and why 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 couples why why are you doing couples counseling? Man, there's so much healing in couples uh, work that needs to be done. Um, you know what? I, and if I'm being honest, I still cannot answer that question. I don't know why I am <laughs> so like. I love my brother was just asking me, like, what got you into seeing couples? And I I could not answer. Like, I don't know. Um, it's just something I feel peace and I feel very confident in doing it. Um, and so uh, I I believe one of the reasons what got me really into uh, couples work is my first client I ever saw. Now, get this. I'll, I'll say this very quickly. Um, my first client that I saw. Now, you got to if you got to know West Michigan, I'm a black guy. I'm doing my internship in Holland. Um, and the first cup, the first client I see is a older Dutch couple in their seventies. <laughs> this the first. This is the first person, like the first clients I have ever saw in my life. And I'm on my own. There's nobody watching me. And I walk in the door, and it's uh, an elderly couple in their seventies, um, and a black guy in Holland counseling an elderly Dutch couple, and and. Needless to say, I was scared because the husband looked like he was about to beat the crap out of me. Um, <laughs> and, I, and I'm saying this because I, I want people to really, I, I'm, you know me, Sam, I speak truth all the time. I want people to see this. Like, so I, I immediately like, oh, my God, why? This is not going to work. And then the husband did not crack a smile. I mean, flat affect. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. And to this day. That was probably the best couple I have ever in my life. Wow. Um, that is a beautiful story. It, and, and, you know, as they say, you should never judge a, a book by its cover. Well, I that was <laughs> that was my reality there. And so really working with them uh, really spoke to my own marriage because I'm like, this couple is here in their 70s. And you want to know the funny part about it? Nothing really brought them there. You know, nobody was lying or stealing money or cheating. Nope. They just said, hey, 
we we come to counseling because we want to make sure that our marriage stays strong. Mm-hmm. When I tell you that spoke volumes to me, I'm like, y'all need to be counseling me. I, I'm <laughs> me and my wife do. We're new. We newlyweds, and you know we're only like two years in. And I'm what can little old Wesley say to you all and let them tell it. I was God's greatest gift to them. And so, um, yeah, that that's probably really what got me working with couples and um, just seeing people um, overall. But I, I'm just big on helping people. Um, here goes Roman 12 and 2. I'm, I'm big on um, helping people develop renewed perspectives, right? Because mm-hmm. um, we have so many um, so many different teachings out here and we have so many different Things that are urging us to try this and do that and do that. And I'm really just a fan of like, hey, if you just look at something differently, your life can change. Mm. What are some, uh, Wesley, what are some uh, other areas that you like to work in? And and going also answer this, uh, when working with couples, do you typically work with them together or separately? Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll answer your last question first. Um, so I, I see couples together. Now, if the, if, if things get very heated, which oftentimes it does, and I'm having difficulty with the couple together, I will, I will ask to split them, but very rare do I have to do that. I like to, even when things get uncomfortable, I like to see them together. But if we're not making any, any progress or it's kind of, uh, unproductive, then I will, I would suggest that I meet with each other uh, separately, but for the most part, I see couples together. Um, and some of the other areas, I see a lot of individuals uh, dealing with, I call it like the psych 101, the depression, anxiety, uh, anger. Um, I love working with men. Um, I'm not an addiction therapist, uh, but I continue to get men. And I I say that because that is an ethical thing. And I always tell people, listen, I am not an addiction therapist. So you probably want to go see someone who specializes in that. And um, I have I don't want to say, yeah, you know, we have to be careful as therapists with what we say. But I have years of experience with working with people with addictions, but um, I have done many trainings and still doing trainings with it. I'm not trying to be an addiction therapist, but it just seemed like one, one gentleman told me recently, because I was honestly trying to get him, um, trying to refer him to someone else. Cause I just felt, I'm like, nah, what, what he was presenting with, I did feel like I can handle, but I was just like, no, let's just send him to an addiction therapist. And he said the word, the following words to me. And I knew it was God sending him to me. He said, I feel called to you. Now, when people use that language, I'm like, oh, okay, this is somebody that God wants me to work with. So um, I kind of do a lot of different things, but I I, my my thing is my site one on one depression, anxiety, anger, uh, management, grief. Uh, I do some addiction work in the course of my specialty. I love working with couples. So, yeah, that's great. I just actually I was listening to a podcast last week. and uh, it was an interview with a guy. Highly recommend uh, everyone go check this person out. His name is Gaber Mate. Mm. And Gaber Mate um, is a physician, but for 10 years he worked with addicted individuals in Vancouver. And mm. he's done a lot of work in writing on the issue. And his, his uh, point in the podcast 
is that everyone has addictions. Um, and, uh, and so maybe that's why a little bit, you feel like you're always drawn to people who have addictions. So, uh, yeah. On that note, uh, Wesley, a huge issue, uh, within marriage, uh, the top three as a review for everyone, uh, communication and conflict is number one, sex and, uh, money are number two and three. Uh, mm-hmm. let's, let's talk about communication and, uh, with your spouse, what are some of the things that you will go over or work with couples on when it, when it comes to communication? Very good question. Dr. Kelly, you would be surprised. Um, communication is the, it's like the most powerful tool that, um, every couple should have. But at the same time, it's the most powerful tool that most couples are missing. Mm. Okay. And so um, when in communication, what I have seen in my practice, um, you know, I I have done level one and level two of Gottman and mm. I, I do a lot of everything. You know, I, I, I love just jumping into all types of stuff. That's just me. Then I mix them all together and just <laughs> that that's just how my brain works. But with the level of work that I do and what I see in my office um, in regards to couples and communication, do you not know that communication cannot be effective if you're not being heard? Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter your delivery style. It doesn't matter who says what first and how. None of that stuff matters if you know, you're know you not being heard. Um, I often say this, and I, we're, I'm not going to change the conversation or focus of it, but look at our politics. Like it's okay to be different. It's okay to be a Republican. It's okay to be a Democrat, all of that stuff. But why can they not get together and work for mankind? Well, it's because nobody is being heard. So I start always, I always start with validation because validation says, Dr. Kelly, I hear you. Mm-hmm. Right. Validation doesn't mean I have to agree with you. Right. Mm hmm. Validation just simply means that I hear you. So some one of the main mistakes that most couples make is a lack of validation. So they do not validate their uh, spouse. So for lack of better words, my wife comes to me and she tells me, babe, you're working too much. Hmm. And my, my response is, how else you think the bill is going to get paid? <laughs> right. Right. And then what how do you think my wife now feels? Do you think she feel hurt? No, she feel attacked. That's that's very frustrating. And so she begins to close, you know, close her heart. She feels um, abused because depending on how I said it. And so that's where frustration begins to come in. Mm -hmm. And then, um, you know, one of the first, um, if I'm not mistaken, one of the four horsemen, um, the first thing is criticism. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so. Often we don't hear validation, we hear criticism. And so what that what that does is we're communicating to our partner that what I have to say is more important to you. So when couples come to my office, really what they want to do is argue and they want to they're arguing for their voice to be heard. Like, Wesley, can you help me with my husband so he can listen to what I'm saying? Can you help me with my wife? Because they don't hear. And, and you know, the most invalidating statement that we can make is that I hear you, but we don't know how to navigate that validation to show our spouse that they are being heard. Mm. 
That's one of the most common mistakes I see in communication. So because before you can get into the whole criticism and defensiveness, stonewalling, all this stuff that we learn in school um, and in all of our trainings, before you can get into any of that, you have to start with validation. Because if you can show your spouse that you are being heard, man, miracles can take place because communication is needed for everything. It's needed for sets. It's needed for money. You can't do anything without communicating. Love that, Wesley. So on that note, what would be a couple of techniques that or exercises that you would give couples to help them deepen their valid? Because I completely agree with you about about that, that validation is a very, very key aspect of communication. What are some of the exercises or techniques you'd give them to to explore and and be more proactive in validating their spouse? Yeah, very good question. Um, one of the first things I, I like, I, I do a, a lot of role playing. So I take real life situations. So whatever they bring it into my office, I will say, okay, let's rehearse what just happened this past weekend. And so I let them tell me exactly, you know, what happened. And then I have the spouse and I'll say, well, tell me, Dr. Kelly, what did you just hear your wife say? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And of course, Dr. Kelly's going to say, well, she told me I'm not taking out the trash and she tired of me being around the house, being lazy and blah, 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 this. And then that's when I provide coaching. So one of the exercises is just to go through, rehearse their actual life and say, now let's try to let's stop with how you feel about the situation and mm-hmm. let's just focus on what your spouse just said, period. We'll get to your comments and how you feel about it. We'll put that at number two. Number one is, we need to know what your wife just said. And of course, just like any spouse, husband or wife, because we all do it, um, we are very good uh, listeners and we know how to repeat things, right? So just because you know how to repeat what your spouse said does not mean you heard what your spouse said. <laughs> that means you have a gift of, of repeating. That's a great point. That's a great point. Right. And so I'm teaching people not to repeat what you just heard. I'm teaching you how to understand what you just heard. Mm. So that's like step number one, teaching, understanding. What is my spouse saying? And Dr. Kelly, I will tell you, it takes weeks for people to get outside of themselves to open themselves up to hear what their spouse is actually trying to say, because we're we have been taught and it's our lifestyle. We see our parents do it. We see it on television where we're trying to correct our spouse, tell our spouse that they're wrong, that here's another way of looking at it. And we're trying to prove something. And what you're doing, you're invalidating your spouse and you're showing your spouse that, hey, what you're saying is not that important right now. You need to listen to me. Now, let me remind you, that your spouse is the one that brought up the problem, but yet you're telling your spouse that what you have to say is more important than what that spouse brought to the table. So I teach people step number one, we have to understand what your spouse is saying, not just repeat it, but do you honestly understand how your spouse arrived at this conclusion and how she or he feels about what's taking place? So that's like that's one of that's what I love about role playing. So once we understand it, then we can move to number two. Okay, now let's validate it. Let's validate what your partner just said. So validating again just simply says, I hear you. So it will say something like, 
Well, you know, my wife's name is Artina. Artina, so what? You know, I don't talk to my wife as though like I'm in therapy. So what I hear you say, no, I don't use the therapist voice at home. I'm yeah. like, so. Yeah, right, Wesley. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't because she don't want to hear it. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. But, my, my wife really responds well when I turn on my counseling voice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it don't work in my favor. But exactly. what what I'm learning to do is just say, you know, at times my wife will ask, um, why are you quiet? And then that's when I provide the validation. I'm like, dear, I might, I really want to respond, but what I, what I will say will not be validating right now because it's going to take away with what you just presented at the table. Mm-hmm. So my, me being quiet right now is my attempt to understand and really swallow, digest what you just said and take ownership of that. And that's validating. But what uh, a better way to do it is not to have my wife ask me why I'm quiet. I can just validate and say, you just said something very powerful. Now, I do want to comment. I want to share my perspective, but I want to learn how to just listen and really engage with what you just said. And so I will my validation, what I do at home personally with my wife is I start asking questions. Mm. Because yeah. asking questions show that my wife, that I care yeah. and that I was listening and that I'm present. That's what spouse do not want to feel hurt. Absolutely, Wesley. Exactly. And I'm so glad that you brought up John Gottman. And that's cool that I, like you, I've done level one and level two of the Gottman training. And uh, I've learned so much from him. And for our listeners, highly recommend uh, you get. Uh, a book of John and Julie Gottman's because uh, I think we've mentioned him in another podcast, but he, he and his wife are like the key marriage experts in the nation. And uh, he's been doing it for well over 40 years. So I'm glad you brought him up. Yeah. Yeah. They have a, um, one of their books. Um, I, I use it a little bit for uh, premarital counseling as well. The seven principles for making marriage work. Yeah. And so they go through the, um, a lot of his work is repetitive. And I think that's on purpose, too. Um, but they go through like the four horsemen and communication and things like that. But, yeah, I, communication. Um, I, I like to say this communication. It's the vehicle that provides direction to the marriage. Right. Yeah, so with, without communicating. Um, I always ask couples like, what direction are you trying to take your marriage in? And so they will give me an answer and all of that stuff. And I will say, well, how can you take your marriage in that direction when the two of you don't know how to talk to each other? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's really good. This is really good, uh, Wesley. And I, and I appreciate that. I just want to ask you one more question and, 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 and this as we get towards the end of our, our podcast, um, we also at Ada have marriage mentors and these are the people who are kind of directly responsible for supporting our tenders who come and, you know, want a little bit of support. And again, marriage mentoring is not for couples in crisis. That's why we have counselors like Wesley. Um, but uh, for those couples that just need a little bit of direction and help and guidance, we have marriage mentors and coaches who are there to provide you know wisdom, direction um, in an individual setting with a, with each gender. And so what kind of things, Wesley, can you just kind of give some a couple encouragements to our marriage mentors who may be listening to this podcast? Um, I'm going to give you two things. 
um, that's fresh off my head. Number one, make sure your own marriage is in, in on point. <laughs> and and I say that because as a leader, I'm a leader in my church, and I know, um, you know, it feels great. And if I'm being honest, yes, it feels great to be used by God. It feels great to be needed. And sometimes we're out here saving the world, and we're saving everybody else's marriage but our own. Mm-hmm. And so before you, I'm glad that you all signed up to be marriage mentors. I'm glad that couples can call you in the middle of the night, come over for some cheese and, you know, food and dinner and all that good stuff. And you guys made trips together, whatever the case may be. All that stuff sounds wonderful. And I'm not speaking light of that. And it sounds like I am, but I'm not. But you have to make sure your own marriage is in, um, in place and is growing and it's being intentional. Um, in other words, when was the last time you sat down in front of a therapist? When was the last time your marriage, even though you are a mentor, mm-hmm. who's mentoring you? Every mentor should have a mentor, mm-hmm. right? Who's, who's overseeing your marriage? Who's praying for you all while you're out here in the field? So definitely put time, put work into um, your marriage. Uh, every Monday at my house, my wife said something to me uh, a couple years back. And it took me a long time, but um, I was praying because she mentioned it again and I took it to God in prayer. And what came to me was like, OK, I, I run Connect Time and it's called, and that's um, every Monday in my house. Um, this is um, intentional time of our marriage every Monday. Um, I take ownership of that. God gave it to me. It was a concern about my wife because, you know, I do a lot of things. And to me, my wife is my number one ministry. I love my kids. I love the work that I do. I love church, but nobody is more important than my wife. And so um, she takes top priority, period. And I don't apologize for it. I will cancel everything and I could care less about the commitment, the pay related to it. My wife comes first. And so um, every Monday um, we do connect time. And right now we're working through a book and you know, it's so much material out there where I don't even have to work as hard. You know, it's just providing conversations and is helping uh, us grow together. So that's what I mean by making sure you take care of your uh, marriage first as a mentor. The second thing I will say is to make sure you understand um, God's design for marriage. Okay. And I, I want to tread, um, tread lightly here, but we, we're being taught and being forced to uh, change everything. Everything is being redefined in our society right now. And so we no longer can have ownership of what we believe uh, God has instructed us uh, to be carrying out in the world. So uh, our beliefs are being challenged and then we're falling. um, We're falling more so on the side of how we feel about things more so than what God said. So as a marriage mentor, you need to understand the art of marriage, what's God's design for it, um, and make sure when you are mentoring someone, you're not mentoring someone uh, based upon what you see and what you want to see in that couple. As mentors, we make that mistake. So if I'm if I'm counseling uh, Sam and Tova, uh, me and my wife, and we're, you know what? I believe God has so much in store for them, but they should be doing this. And so we start to mentor them based upon what we feel or believe what they should be doing for their marriage. And that's that's incorrect. We should my wife and I should be praying for Sam and Toa and praying to God 
with our entire heart and say, God, what do you have for Sam and Tova? Like, I understand they have this, but how how do you want us to mentor them? Hmm. I, right? I, I love that you point this back towards the Bible, because mm-hmm. I, I think that in marriage mentoring is so powerful that it's not necessarily always us giving our experiences and thoughts and ideas and wisdom. It's us really encouraging the couple to go back to God, yeah. encouraging the couples, you know, whether you're a coach or mentor, or maybe you're a counselor, listen to this, it's encouraging the couple to say, hey, the principles of marriage, the aspect of, of growth in marriage, whether you're struggling, you're on the rocks, or you just need a tune-up, is literally in the Word of God. And so we want to point couples back towards, what does the Lord say about this? How would, you know, patience play a part in your relationship? How would you know, having joy and love and peace play a part in your relationship. And mm-hmm. I think that I love that you point that out, Wesley. I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, I do. I, too. Yeah, I think um, I think of one very quickly, like um, we because the word accountability, it comes with mentors. Right. Um, and when you're mentoring someone, it, it means that the couple is choosing to be accountable to you. And even in the Bible, you know, uh, Jethro was speaking to Moses. And mind you, Moses was on his way of ending his life very quickly with the demands of life. In other words, he's working all the time around the clock. And Jethro finally speaks to him and say, hey, what you're doing is not good. Um, you're not going to be on this on, on in this world for a very long time if you continue that pattern of behavior. So he, he instructs Moses to um, install 12 men to carry out all of this stuff throughout the day. And if someone needs you, then you allow these people to get to you. That's having spiritual insight. That's what mentors are for. You have the authority to speak into other uh, couples' lives. So you need to be careful as a, a marriage mentor. I guess this will be number three and I'm done. Um, watch, uh, protect the authority that each couple gives you to speak into their life um, because you want to make sure that it's, it's the authority that God has channeled through you to oversee and to help this couple. But remember, you want that couple to stay in the design of marriage that God has um, designed for them. Wesley, this has been so good. I'm so glad we've been able to talk. I'm also glad we ended on that note because it's a deep, deep truth about counseling. And that is it's it's no mistake that Jesus is called the wonderful counselor, right? Mm-hmm. And um so to end, Wesley, uh, where where would be the best way for people to reach out to you um, for counseling? Oh, man, um, you can go to my website, uh, which is www.renewcounselingservices.com. Um, if you go to psychology today, uh, type in Wesley Morgan or just go to Google and say <laughs> type in Wesley Morgan. Uh, I'm on Facebook under uh, Renewed Counseling Services. Um, I'm also on Instagram under Renewed Counseling Services, and I do have a podcast as well, and that's under Everything Renewed. Um, so I do a podcast um, and have shows come out uh, every two weeks. I would do weekly, but my schedule is too busy. Right now, I am completely maxed out uh, <laughs> in regards to my clientele, so I don't have any openings, but that changes like every two to three weeks because I do have people finishing up counseling. So um, if someone is interested and they would like to seek counseling services with me, just shoot me an email, contact me on any of those platforms, and um, I'll definitely get back in contact with you. Uh, my goal is within 24 hours, so 
Wesley, thank you so much. It's been great talking to you and uh, God's blessing on you. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you for uh, both of you for allowing me to be here and I appreciate it and I definitely enjoyed my time. Thanks for listening to Together. We hope that you've learned a thing or two. If you find the podcast helpful, please subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts. If you'd like more information on Ada Bible Church and its ministries, or someone to pray or dialogue with about your marriage, email us at care at adabible.org. 